0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochrawley.com.
1: This morning, we've been in a series that has, uh, it's entitled Called and Commissioned. And here's the real focal point of, of this series. It's to see all, all of God's people, to see all of you guys stepping into full-time ministry based on the, the unique giftings and callings that are on your lives. Jesus has given us this mandate in Matthew 28 to go make disciples of nations. Nations. He also says in Acts 1-8 that we, should, we need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So there's this calling on our lives to, to, to disciple nations, to disciple Raleigh, to disciple our nation. And so how, how do you disciple a nation? How do you disciple a, a city? There's a, that's a, a loaded question, and there's probably a lot there to unpack. But I would say this. It, it, one thing that I'm certain of that needs to happen in order for us to disciple this city, to really own this city, is that we need to see all of God's people stepping into full-time ministry. It just can't be myself or Steve or Chris Jolly. When all of us are stepping into it, that's that's when we're gonna see this city begin to be transformed. And when I say stepping into full-time ministry, what I don't mean is that you guys necessarily quit your jobs and, and you come on staff with Antioch. Some of you may do that, uh, that, that was kind of like a very, if you're part of this area, part of the Bible Belt, that, that's how getting called in a vocational ministry looked like. But what I'm talking about when we say stepping into ministry is that you begin to see your sphere, your business, your place of work, your boardroom, your break room, wherever you're at as a as, as a mission field. And for the past several weeks, we've been highlighting uh, different vocations, different, different unique callings that are on the body of Christ. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we heard from Michael Pierce, who gave a charge on Father's Day for fathers, for husbands. Uh, the week after that, we talked about the calling to the nations. We got to hear some cool testimonies from a, a couple trips. We took to Tijuana to Mozambique. Uh, and then last week, who was here last week? It was power, wasn't it? It was awesome having this, uh, these anointed marketplace ministers talk about how to view their, their business, their, the corporate world, their nine-to-five as a mission field. And if you, if you missed last week, please go back. We're recording these. You hear the testimonies of what God is doing, and it's super encouraging. And uh, today, well, actually, I'll say, I'll give a little plug for the next couple weeks. We're, we're going to talk about, next week, we're going to talk about health care. Uh, we're going to talk about, after that, we're going to get into government. We're going to talk about education, nonprofit world. And this week, we get the, the privilege of talking about the, the creative scene, the creative industry. And so we're in for a treat. And before we get into it, I just want to explain a little bit about why we're, we're doing more of the panel as opposed to um, a traditional sermon. Uh, for starters, I believe we honor the body when we let the body speak, we honor them. We, we're, we're saying to uh, you guys that we recognize you, we see you, and that your role in the body of Christ is, is just as important as a, a full-time pastor at this church. That's what we're saying. We're here to honor the body. Secondly, we're doing this panel because it, it really edifies the body. It really edifies the body. I could have come up last week and, and given uh, a, maybe a good sermon on business But it was way more powerful hearing TJ and Brad and Chris and Annie share about uh, their experiences because they have an anointing there. And when we let those parts of the body who carry that anointing, let them lead and speak out, we're all edified because of it. A third reason why we're doing this panel is to provide some inspiration, to hear frontline testimonies. And we're going to hear some testimonies of some folks in the creative scene and the, the Scriptures tell us that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which means that when we hear testimonies of what Jesus is doing, there's this prophetic power that gets released in us to go, may that happen in my life. I want it to happen in me. And then lastly, we're doing this panel because uh, we want to see an impartation. We want to see an impartation. And at the end of, of this panel, we're, we're going to make space we like to do this every week to really pray, and the Bible talks about lay hands on you guys, on anyone who wants to see even the, the creative giftings released in their lives, because there's power when we pray and impart something from one part of the body to the other. So that's really why we're doing this panel, and um, this, this week we're going to be talking about the creative scene, and I'll give one, one last little point, and we're going to jump into it, but uh, does anyone know that, what the fifth word of the Bible is? The fifth word of the Bible. In the beginning, God created. created. So the fifth word of the Bible is created. And it's the first revelation of who God is to us is that he's a creating God. That's interesting. I mean, he is love, he is power, he's all these things. But the first revelation that we get in the Bible is that God is a creating God. And so we want to honor him by honoring parts of the body who really have a lot of unique vocations and giftings in the creative scene. And uh, without further ado, we're going to go through, I know a lot of us know you guys, but we're going to start over there, David, with you. Just one at a time, just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about maybe your role within Antioch, kind of place you here, and then thirdly, what you do for a living or particularly creatively.
2: Yeah, can you guys hear me fine? Cool. So I'm David Klingler, Um, play on the worship team, violin, and uh, run the little gaming meetup each month. Next one's this Saturday, by the way, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m., the fellowship hall. Um, and part of the RTF ministry recently, too. Um, disciple a few people here and love on people and yell a lot during, work, during services. <laughs> what, what do you do for a living? Oh, I make video games. You make video games? Yeah. yeah. Amen.
1: Well, hi, everybody.
3: I'm Elizabeth. I've been married to Brad for 22 years next week. We made it. (laughs) Um, And so I have three sons and a beautiful daughter-in-law. And um, within the church, I've been serving as worship pastor for the past four and a half years and serve on the elder team and serve in RTF ministry with David. Um, And then outside the church walls, Um, For the past few years, I've been working on an EP album with some friends. Um, The last song in the iteration will be out late 2022, maybe beginning of 2023. Um, And then I just recently launched a small artwork collection on an artist consignment website called Society6.
1: Awesome.
4: Hi, I'm Leslie Mudlin, and I'm married to the guy on the front row over there, Ryan. And we have two sons, Cade Boulder and Acre Bright, and um, my husband and I lead a life group here, and uh, I serve as the Creative Communications Director here at Antioch, which means I oversee all the creative teams that involve production and communications. Oh, I forgot what I do, sorry. <laughs> Um, outside the walls of the church, uh, fashion is my background, but I um, can currently say that happily, most of my work is discipling my kids. But on the side, I work here at the church, and on the side, side, I do freelance merchandising and styling for retail businesses and events, and I sometimes plan and coordinate weddings.
0: My name is Matthew Ramsor. Most of you guys know me as Matt. My wife is Anna Ramsor, and the ways I've served in the church is a lot through video. A lot of you guys have seen my videos. A lot of big things I did was during COVID. A lot of that was supplied through me helping, yeah, and Leslie, of course, and Anna Elizabeth and everyone else here, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, helping the church in that way, just to use that as a tool to uh, show off what's happening in the church and what's happening in our lives, and for me, what I do as a living, I do, I'm a freelancer, I do commercial, uh, and I do weddings, and just anybody who is a business owner or is getting married, or if you're putting on a event on, anything, I try to make that capturable to people to keep that for the rest of their lives. You also make movies, too? Yes, uh, I, I don't make money, I'd love to make money off of it, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yes, I also make movies as well. Awesome, cool, well, Before we
1: get into some of the experiences and testimonies, I think it's so important to hear a little bit about the background, uh, the the story leading up to how you guys began to recognize that the Lord was calling you in this certain creative, gifting assignment. So, David, why don't you kick us off? Share a little bit about how the Lord began to reveal to you that this was a
2: part of your journey. Yeah, so um, growing up, I had an older brother, Mitchell, And we would fight all the time when we were really young. But we ended up bonding over games. um, And we became really, really close over the years, just teaching each other stuff in games. And um, so it ended up being a very positive thing in my life. But I was meeting a lot of people in the gaming community, like when I was getting into competitive gaming, that it was not really a positive thing in their life. Um, But I tried to kind of just... And this was when I was like a teenager. I tried to just kind of encourage people just casually um, because it was already stressful enough and nobody really knew what we were doing, you know, and they just thought we were wasting time, Um, which is reasonable, but but there's a lot more to it than, you know, people really realize on the surface. Um, And uh, in 2010, I was in high school, and in the spring one day, this was long before I gave my life to Jesus, but... Um, I heard God's voice and um, at this point he gave me this vision of how he saw games as a medium and it was as a, as this expressive medium similar to, to music or movies and things like that. Um, and I haven't ever been able to really describe what I saw in the vision concretely but it was uh, really became very um, just at the forefront of my mind ever since then and still is. Um, but we're still a long way from that. You know, The game industry, already in the early 2000s, was the largest media industry of all time um, by several different metrics, um, but the kingdom still has like less than 1% of that um, land taken back. You know, So we've got a lot of land to recover, um, and it's a serious battle because there's a lot of uh, demonic influence in games, and it's just blatant in the industry. I mean, last time I went to GDC it was just kind of depressing, um, how far it's gone. Um, but I know what God showed me and I know that, um, God intends really good things for video games. So awesome.
3: Yeah. So, um, I think for me very early on, I was like two and my parents were making cassette tapes of me singing all of these songs with these big words and all of that. Um, so kind of singing and just music was like a part of my life since before I can even actually remember. Um, and so just to kind of keep things really brief, um, by the time that I graduated high school, I was doing like wedding music for like pay. And around that time, there were just people suggesting, Hey, maybe consider, you know, going in the music industry, um, being a Christian artist, you know, go to school for music, and I was the first person in my family to have the opportunity to go to college, and just for a variety of reasons, I just chose a more pac- practical route and allowed that dream to just kind of atrophy or go to the wayside. Um, pretty quickly got married, had kids, and that, like, thrust me into a season of obscurity and hiddenness in, like, seven years where I wasn't even, like, practicing my gift at all. Um, I was like serving in kids ministry and other things. Um, But I knew, I just had something within me that like I knew. And so what the Lord used was through parenting, stay-at-home mom, homeschooling. He provided me like space to really develop my gift and my calling and to actually excavate that. And so through that time period, I taught myself how to play instruments, started songwriting, Um, And then just really just started having like this deep desire to want to get involved um, just anywhere with music. Um, And then that kind of being the thing where I went through some healing and deliverance ministry and got this like life message. that He said, Elizabeth, I've called you to build a platform for other people to be successful. And what that ended up meaning was he called me to be an advocate and an activator for other people to realize their giftings and their callings within the realm of music and worship and honestly recording and audio engineering. I ended up having the opportunity to um, step into a teaching position where that actually was realized Um, And so it was really just through that process of hiddenness um, and obscurity that I think was, like, probably the most pivotal season of my life where I really realized, like, exactly, like, his design for my life and what he had called me to do. And, of course, along the way brought fulfillment to just my dreams and my desires. But it was all about, like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you desire, too, will be added unto you. Um, I did want to share really quick, um, just some strengths that the Lord um, helped me grow and develop in that season. They're just things that, um, so one of those things in that season that I felt like I got was a deeper knowledge of the Word of God. I had plenty of time to read and just actually worship with Scripture and sing songs and write songs relating to that. That was really critical. I learned self-control. I learned a right portrait of God I learned how to have an anchored identity in Him. I learned to trust in His perfect timing for all of the things that I'm desiring in my life. I learned to develop a disciplined imagination, to develop an eternal perspective related to my calling, and to always realize that no matter what authority I step into, that it's always submission-based authority. We're always submitted to God no matter what place that He brings us to. you know, if you think about a tree, it's not always in bloom. It's not always fruiting. It's not always flowering. There's a season, like in winter, where it retracts all advertisement, and it looks like it's dead. And I do believe that not just one time through the course of our life, but I think seasonally, many times, the Lord will bring us in and out of places where we can't devote all of our time being seen and being on a platform and bearing fruit and giving it away, we have to go and retreat. We have to be in places of hiddenness. And in those seasons where we're retracting our advertisement, the Lord is helping us to build our infrastructure and put down deeper roots that will sustain those hot, yeah. seductive summer seasons that otherwise would ruin us if we weren't anchored in the right things.
4: So, yeah.
1: That's really good. Thanks, Olivia. You
4: just spoke to my heart. So good. Um, I, I have been interested in fashion and styling and just was always making clothes growing up and telling other people how to dress and decorating every little thing that I can find. I don't do that anymore, but... Um, a really huge part of my testimony is just watching God take me from being a girl who had a lot of talents that people would call out, but I didn't have a lot of inward identity in him, so I carried a lot of insecurity. And then in high school, I just had a huge shift where God basically just called me out and used a number of kind of humiliating circumstances to to show me I had to find out who I was in him if I was ever going to become who he had called me to be. And so, late high school, I really started to show my confidence through what I wore and just being, being who I was as loud as I could be. And at the end of junior year, I was at church summer camp, and I remember sitting on my bunk bed, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to go to college, major in fashion design, and then I want you to go into the fashion world and take me with you and change it. And... So that's what I did. I went to college for fashion design. And um, at the end of college, I was living in New York, working as an intern for a designer. And I was really lonely because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have my church community around me. And I just didn't have all the things that I knew. And I was thinking about what am I going to do with my future? Um, Because I was really worried that, honestly, if I, like, stayed and tried to make it as a designer in New York, I was kind of worried I'd stop following Jesus because the industry is just like all consuming and part of me loved that and the other part of me was afraid of what it would look like to try to keep following Jesus so I was just really stuck and so I just like out of desperation googled a church that I could walk to from my apartment and so I walked in and lo and behold the girl that was leading the small group had gone to the same college as me majored in the same degree and was working in the industry in New York and so she kind of took me under her wing and just basically started discipling me, and I would go on walks with her down the streets of New York, just going on and on about what am I going to do with my life. And at the end of it, I felt like the Lord spoke and called me, kind of brought into my call. And I felt like He said, "I want you to, um, I want you to spend your life marrying the creative world with the kingdom." And so I decided to move back to Waco, where I had gone to college, and I started working, designing. I started serving in the church using creative giftings, and that's kind of what I've been doing for the last 12 years is working to marry the creative with the kingdom.
1: Awesome. Amen.
0: So I've always been interested in film and just video making in general, and so I moved North Carolina here about four years ago, and my entire life I've been in Louisiana, and In Louisiana, during my high school year, so that was about maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was, and there still is a very large film scene there. Uh, Hollywood came from Los Angeles, it came to New Orleans, and they loved the area and just started making a lot of films. And then Hurricane Katrina hit, and all the film went up north. I'm about five hours north of New Orleans, and so all of a sudden, there's all these Hollywood films, and they're all right next to about an hour from where I live, Uh, in North Louisiana, and I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to go into, and I got the opportunity, and at the time, I wasn't really, I knew who the Lord was, but I wasn't practicing that, and I didn't know what that even looked like, and I just kind of jumped blindly into this, and I got on a bunch of really weird films, uh, just with interesting plots, but I I learned a lot, and I uh, just learned what it's like to make uh, a film, I was a background extra with a lot of famous actors. I was behind the scenes taking batteries and driving across town just to get someone this special coffee. So there's all, all kinds of, of things, yeah, that I did. The industry, it's, it's very demanding, right? So, um, and I, you know, I was like, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. This is what I keep pursuing. And I, something happened in my life where I was forced to move home. I was, you know, I was like, oh, my, Everything's over now. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. And I had no idea that God was setting something bigger up for me. And when I moved back home, and it's a small town, there's really not a lot happening there. I got plugged into a college ministry. It was called the Wesley Foundation. I was not going to college at the time, but I felt like I needed to get plugged into some sort of community. And during that time at that community, they started to learn that I make video. And they said, Hey, we have a lot of testimonies that we want to share of what's happening in people's lives. We'd love for. For you to capture that, if you're up for that, and so I started filming a lot of that, and then I realized, I was like, oh wow, I can use my gifts for the kingdom of God, and it's so simple, but it just blew my mind that I can use a tool, a gifting that I have, and take someone's story, project it on a screen, and then the whole congregation is seeing it. They're seeing what's happening, and they're good to seeing it in a different light. We're seeing maybe behind the scenes, maybe, you know, what happened in their life through like B-roll or something like that. And I just started serving, and that ministry for years. I ended up working for there, did mission trips, and God just really transformed me and to show me that, you know, just for anything and your tool that you can use as a tool to lead people to Christ and lead them in a way to experience the Lord, and things are happening. And throughout that, as my growth, I started getting picked up by there's different churches and missionary ministries who just love my work, and people were really experiencing the kingdom of God, really experiencing what's happening on people's lives, and that just completely took over in just such a really beautiful way. And it's transitioned all the way, you know, I'm here in North Carolina now, and I'm um, just doing videos here at Antioch. I've done a lot of videos for people here, business. I've done videos for everybody on this panel here, um, but <laughs> it's it's just been a really big blessing seeing God use that and just in the ways, And um, and yes, I have done films, and God's used that a lot as well. I've made a lot of films that aren't Christian, you'd watch the movie and be like, well, that had nothing to do with God at all, but there's so many behind-the-scenes stories of how God pulled that in and said, you're also going to make movies because everyone loves going to the movies, and it's a source of entertainment, but when they hear the behind-the-scenes, there's so much more that happens, and that'll happen more as the question's asked.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Matt. That was really good. Thank you guys for sharing. Uh, I have this little confession. I've, I have never identified as like an artist, creative I remember uh, being in sixth grade, you could sign up for electives, you put like, you, you your top three choices, and somehow I got put in dance class as a sixth grader. Like, that was, I'm like, that was not even my top 20. I don't know how I got in dance class. I think I was able to beg my mom and get fixed, put in the shop class. So that was, the Lord redeemed me. It was great. Um, but I've never, I, 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 but I, I make that. Kind of the contra- I make that point to contrast how, how the creative scene in so many ways is fueling the media entertainment industry, and the entertainment industry has to be one of the most influential para- you know, institutions in the world, yeah. right? Like it, movies and storying and music and visual, uh, the, this, not just younger generations, but all generations, we get deci- we're being discipled, whether we like it or not, by what we hear and see. And so much of that is attached to the creative side. And David, you mentioned a little bit about how in your industry, the gaming, there's a lot of worldly influence, demonic influence, and, and how you're wanting to take that back for the kingdom of God. Can you guys share, maybe it's just some, some broad-scale wisdom, but also maybe even a testimony of how you're seeing the kingdom of God advance in such a influential institution? How are you guys seeing that in your particular space?
2: Yeah, so um as far as game developers there's there are very little believers unfortunately. Um certainly in publishers I don't even know of one. But um among players that's it's a little bit more common and there was um I mean it's still really rare in terms of like influential players but it happens. And one of the guys that really influenced me a lot was Joel West. Um he passed away actually just a few weeks after I started coming to Antioch um, but in 2018, but he, he was instrumental in leading me to Jesus. Um, and I just met him through competitive gaming, but he had never made a game, obviously, and didn't really know anything about how they worked. But um, I see the, the most influence happening for games happening among players. Um, kind of like how how Steve says, you're not going to see somebody get discipled from a pulpit. I think it's the same thing. I don't think a game is necessarily, certainly not on its own, going to lead someone to Jesus, but it can lead people to people who can lead them to Jesus. Um, People need real relationship. They're not going to feel love from their computer. You know, they're going to feel love from other people. And if it's real love, then it comes from God. Um, I think that some of the influence that the church has attempted to have on games has been really kind of detrimental um, to the image of uh, Jesus in among gamers because a lot of the Christian games that have been made are just pitiful. I mean, it, it's <laughs> like if you, if you look, especially in the 90s, like j- j- you might as well have not even made it. I mean, it, you're, you're – there, were, and, and that's the thing. For one of the companies, there was a um, – company that make, was making a lot of NES games um, in the late 80s and early 90s, and the cartridges are rare now, but the games are awful, and that's why they're rare, because nobody bought them. But I was reading about them a lot more over the past couple of years. No one on their entire team was even a believer. They were just trying to sell games to parents who had kids who, who wanted to have a Nintendo but didn't want them playing violent games. That's their, that was all they were doing. It wasn't even trying to lead anybody to Jesus like, we need to be examining the motivations there, and examining motivations is one of the things that I'm somewhat known for in the industry. Like, I'm always doing talks about how we're screwing things up, <laughs> and, you know, thankfully, people take it in stride for the most part, but um, like, I did, a, I did a talk earlier this year at a conference, and it was called Beyond Escapism, and <laughs> man, I was stepping on so many toes, but it. It was good, and people actually received it well. And I was talking the whole time about unconditional love, which didn't, didn't seem to really take it – it wasn't really in place at a game conference, but it resonated, and, and that's something that that's, – that's really the first step that we need. We have all these games about – that are just negative, and if you can just make it positive and bring people together, then that's a much bigger step than we're doing with anything else. You can't just put Bible stories in the game and expect it to do anything. That's going the opposite direction. So,
3: I love what you touched on, David, about like we can get so married to like the product or the outcome or the fulfillment of what we think we're called to that we really do miss like it's so much about the process and the journey and that God cares just as much about what he's doing in you as what he's also going to do through you. And... Um, Yeah, like, so just to, I have two quick testimonies, but they kind of overlap, so I need to tell one before the other. Um, So similarly to, like I said, I was called to be an activator and an advocate um, and to help other people Um, along the way was how that this fulfillment of um, me desiring to record music came into play. So we were back at East Cary Middle School. I mean, this was years ago, like probably seven years ago. Um, and I don't know if Andrew Corcus is here this morning, but one Sunday he came up to me after church, and I was only like serving like maybe once every six weeks on the worship team at that point, and he walked up to me, and he said, Elizabeth, I felt like the Lord told me that there's albums in your future, and I just started laughing, and I was like, do you know how old I am? <laughs> like, what? You know, I, I just completely like dismissed it, um, You know, a piece of my heart was like, oh, man, I sure wish that was going to be true, but I just really just dismissed it and then forgot about it. And through me stepping into um, what was before I actually stepped into the position as worship pastor, but I was serving on the worship team, had developed a lot of relationships, and there was someone on the team that had a graduation project with his certificate with Berkeley School of Music where he had to have an original song be mixed, mastered, recorded, the whole thing. And so his wife said, hey, I think Elizabeth writes songs in her spare time. And so that was what actually led to this end product of me making an album. Um, And it was just so interesting just to see, like, God's the prophetic voice of encouragement, like you said, the testimony of Jesus' spirit of prophecy. Jesus was all over that. It was the testimony of Jesus. That was nothing I made happen. That was nothing I rushed. It was something just by me, just open-handed, Lord, I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do and serve the needs of others, you know, that he fulfilled something that I kind of dismissed as a passing tone in my life. I mean, and I still don't even know why, but it was a Genesis moment that was important for me to at least give my kids permission, maybe the students that I had from a band class that I taught permission, the worship team, whatever, to normalize, hey, it's perfectly okay to write songs, record them, and release them, and bring the fragrance and the beauty of Jesus to the world. We can always use more of that, right? Um, Another really cool point with that testimony is that we had commissioned Jessie Jellicorse to do the graphics, and she literally made... A graphic that had an album coming out of, like, a, an old, like, vinyl. And it was just really, really awesome just to see, like, just down to, like, some of the specific wording in Andrew Korkis's, um prophetic word that he gave me. Like, everything just was like, oh, wow. I had no idea. So, the other testimony is that through this whole project, it was happening over COVID, and There was other songs that were like overtly like Christian singing about the Lord being um, a strong and mighty tower, filling my heart with valor. I just am going to sing praise in the midst of all this uncertainty. And my friend had like this brain trust with some professors at Berkeley. We're not Christians. We're not religious. Nothing. And they were like weighing in on suggestions on how to mix and master the song. And he called me one day, and he was like, Elizabeth, you are not going to believe this. We were in this, like, Zoom call, and and they were giving me suggestions about my mixing with this song. And the professor was like, I just don't know what it is. Every time I listen to this song, I struggle to, like, even think about the mixing and mastering because there's something about the words that she's singing that just makes me feel so much peace. And, like, y'all, we're in this, like, really, like... Weird time in the world and there's so much uncertainty I mean it was like and he and he was like, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. I'm like, Yay, Jesus. You know. So like all that to say is like if that was the only, which it's not, but if that was the only purpose and the only reason it was worth it aside from the relationship, you know? But yeah.
1: Thanks for sharing. That's awesome, Elizabeth.
4: I I feel like I could boil down, like, how the Lord's developed me, where so much of, like, testimony and just seeing Jesus come into my work could all be boiled down in serving, and she, she touched on it a little bit, but I feel like, you know, I got, I feel like my, my giftings were started, were started to be called out in the church, and they were worked out. And began to be developed as I was serving in church. I grew up with two parents who were on a church staff. And so I lived at church. And we were there in the morning and there, and there in the evening and there about five times a week. And And that's where I began to do things. And yet I felt like I had, you know, this call to do things outside the walls of the church. But I feel like watching my parents have allowed God to show me that even though I had this, you know, desire and all these dreams, that it really was about him fulfilling it and really about him using me and not so much it being my vision that I want to see come to pass. And so I feel like all the different times I was, I was developed further actually was when I was serving someone else's vision. I worked for a lot of small businesses, and a lot of times I would get hired because I was just this kind of jack of all trades and I would do anything and work really hard and, you know, I would, I would latch on to someone else's vision because I would be like, I love what you're doing. I want to help you make it happen. And I would stay until the very end just because I loved it and loved the work and, you know, just wanted, wanted to see this person's vision come to pass. And so I ended up being able to do so many things that I actually wasn't even experienced in at the time because... I was just I was just there and I was willing to do it. And there were times where it was hard because I wasn't doing my thing. I mean, for many many stints of years I, you know, the things that I wanted to do were on hold while I was working for someone else and I was like, how did this happen? I thought I was going to like pursue my thing and it was a side thing and then it became the whole thing. But I feel like just laying my life down to serve others' visions developed the very like thing in me that could sustain what God wants to do in the future. And I feel like even an example of that is when Ryan and I were planning our wedding, you know, I, as a designer, you know, wanted to develop this grand vision and make it, you know, the most spectacular thing. And I actually feel like God kind of arrested my thoughts, and I feel like he said, what I want you to do with your wedding is actually lift up other creatives around you. And so we basically hired all local people, local businesses, and we and I decided to call together all my friends who were, you know, pursuing creative avenues, and I told them, I want you to plan my wedding and I want your vision to be the one that happens. And so they worked together and they created the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it really didn't have that much to do with me. And in the process, and and also like I felt like the Lord said, have them walk down the aisle. I want you to honor them. And so they joined like bridesmaids and groomsmen as like, Hey, we're like, I'm honoring the creative, um, And also we kind of felt like the Lord wanted to use the creative things they were creating to actually transform people. And so we felt like God said to believe, like, when they interact with these flowers, when they, you know, when they, when non-believers, I I worked for all non-believers, so I invited them all to the wedding, and I felt like the Lord was like, hey, when they're in the worship, in the ceremony, believe that they can encounter my presence. And so I think, you know, again, just... Being like, okay, I, I may have these visions, but the Lord, the Lord has his greater narrative for my visions, and it doesn't negate what he wants to do in me or through me, but he wants to use me, and it's going to bless other people along the way. And so, I know we're, there's just so much that God has given so many of us, and um, yeah, there's just, I, I feel like what I should say is, like, we're not going to get to all this, but if you want, I'm just going to leave this here, and she's going to leave this here, and everyone can just, you know, we can just have individual conversations, because we're just never going to get to everything, so I think what I feel like the Lord wants me to say in this moment is, like, the one thing that I would give a plug for, of, like, if you're wanting to grow in the creative, and I know I'm jumping ahead, Ben, but I just know we're not all going to get there, so I'm going to say my one, and then I don't have to talk again, but I feel like, um, that if you wanna grow in your creative gifting, give it away. Um, And I, I learned that the hard way of years of, you know, wanting to serve the Lord, but like wanting to hold on to my thing. And the more I chose to lay it down and serve the people around me or serve the thing that I was given the opportunity to do that it didn't seem like had anything to do with me, those are the moments where I encountered the intimacy of God, those are where I grew. And a great, a great way that you could do that within our church that I'll give a little mini plug for is over the last year or two, we've been developing what I call the visuals team. And every time you've seen something really beautifully visual in the lobby or anywhere else in church, we have a team of people that are putting that together. And it isn't just for, material, for, for materialistic sake. We're not just trying to make things look cool to be cool. Um, that's really not the heart of this church, even if, you know, I would like it to be, um, it's really because we believe that what, what happens, in, like how we set up a room can change the atmosphere. And how we set things up can make way for people to encounter God. And so I, I'm, I'm so grateful that even in just the last six months, I've met so many women specifically, but I know there are men as well, who are pursuing creative vocations outside of the walls of this church and I and I've loved watching some of them start to use their gifts within our church not because we want to use you as creatives we want to invite you to use your gifts and talents for the Lord and I just yeah I I have felt like the Lord has said like if you will use if you will use your gifts within the walls of the church however he leads you will watch him make make way for you outside of the walls of the church and so, man, I just invite you, if you want to grow, use your gifts in the church, give them away, and the Lord will give them back to you. That's been my testimony, too. Awesome. Yeah, Thanks, Leslie. That's
1: awesome. good.
0: So one of the things, as far as testimonies go, is I also like making testimonies. And something that happened in our, our college ministry that I was involved in was everyone was coming up to me saying, like, oh, make my testimony, make my testimony. And not for the sake of, like, so I can be on, you know, that person can be on, on camera, but people would be able to share those testimonies, to a different visual. And within the five, six years I was at that ministry and eventually slowly transitioning out, you know, God said, hey, I want you to try to make films again. We're just going to do a little different. You're not going to go back to the ministry. You're going to do it in your own industry. And I felt like God calling me to make a, a faith film about spiritual warfare and uh, he just gave me this idea. I just had it downloaded it and I just wrote it all out. And uh, you know, I had, uh, God said, don't use actors, just use people within this ministry and just kind of build your your, your filmmaking back up. And I, uh, I had this person in mind, I felt like God told me to reach out to, I reach out to this person and they read the script and they said, oh my gosh, how did you know this is my entire testimony? And so it was just the fact that God wanted me to make testimonies without telling me, but use a different gifting in that place. And so we made the film, it screened at a bunch of showings around town, and I had someone come up to me who runs, who uh, works at the Louisiana Methodist Children's Home, and it's a, uh, you guys don't know what the children's home is, it's basically where kids have to go into foster care, they've been abused, they've had really horrible, uh, just um, didn't have parents growing up, just did not very good situations, and so we showed this film uh, to these kids, and the response we gotten is, the biggest response we had ever gotten from any of the screenings we've ever had. And there's a scene in the film, the very end, when this girl is being attacked by spiritual warfare and she calls out the name of Jesus and we see Jesus. And the response we got from the kids that we've never gotten is they all started clapping. And by the end of the film, we did a Q&A test uh, for Q&A, and we just let the kids ask us questions. And some of the questions they asked, they started opening up, being really vulnerable, and they were asking us, like, what do you do in this situation? How do you pray? How do you do this? How do you do that? And it was really powerful because we got to minister to them and share these things through this tool that, you know, God gave me to use for these kids. And even the more powerful testimony of that is directly after that, we had the staff come up to us, And they said, we've been trying to get these kids open up for years, and this is the first time they've ever opened up based off this. And now we get to continue to ask those questions and continue to work with them and to get them healing in what they've experienced. Um, And the second testimony, real quick, is, uh, so after that I made a few more films, and they were just fun sci-fi films, something fun. You know, God still did something behind the scenes each time. And uh, I had this idea, and I was uh, kind of trying to go bigger, get auditions, get larger talent out there, try to grow my name, and I uh, did auditions for this one character. And I had a, several auditions come in, and this one lady jumped in and said, I want to audition, but she never met the deadline. I watched her demo reel. I thought she was okay. I didn't think she really met what I was looking for, and uh, one day I just heard God say, like, hey, even though she hasn't said anything, I want you to I want you to hire her. Don't worry about anything else, just trust me and hire this person and the the whole plot of the film is, it's a science fiction, it's about this uh, girl who loses her mom unexpectedly at a young age, and later in life she becomes an archaeologist, she's digging in the sand, she finds an old camcorder, it's footage of her mom that she's never seen before, she gets really sad, you know, she, she gets really emotional about it, and then she finds, with the science fiction aspect, she finds this Interesting object, and it transports her to another world. It's it's kind of fun. There's like aliens and stuff involved, you know. But um, but she finds her mom in this world, and she gets to reunite with her and be back with her and uh, save her and go home. And so I had hired this actress. Her name's Rachel, and we were talking uh, right before we made the film, just to kind of go over notes. And she said she said this is crazy, but this is my entire testimony. Aside from, of course, going to another world. But um, <laughs> but essentially, she told me that. Her mom had passed away when she was young, and she didn't know how, and she had always wondered, what if I found camcorder footage of her, and what if, what would my reaction be? Like, what if I found her in some, you know, place that's not here? What, how would I react? What would I do? And so, it was powerful because she was also a Christian, and so we got to kind of bond over that, and so it was really powerful that in the film, if... Um, if you ever get to watch it or if whoever has watched it, uh, all her reactions are not acting. It's all real. She gets to pretend to see her mom. She gets to kind of live through that fantasy world through acting again. And that's just two of some really powerful testimonies. This happened over and over and over. I've made films, and I've had God say, ask this person, ask this person, or someone has come to me, and then they'll say, how did you know that's my whole testimony? How did you know that? And it's just happening over and over, and I'm in the process of making another one with this same Uh, Girl who had uh, the story of her mom, and we're making an expansion of that and trying to go further. And there's already been, we haven't even wrote a script, but there's been just some really amazing, powerful testimonies from people who have started to want to work in that field who have had that relation.
1: Awesome. I wish we had more time, but can we give these guys just a round of applause? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, And they... They, they have some books here that they, they've, they feel like are really influential to them as creatives. Uh, they're not for sale or to give away. They just come and look at them, right? Maybe if you could, you could borrow them. Uh, don't touch them? Okay. <laughs> uh, but what I, what I love really just hearing is how many, like, there's, there are individuals, there are gamers, there are professors, there are actresses, there are people in the design world that will never... You know, more than likely, they're never going to come here. They're never going to experience the presence of God in this building, but they're experiencing the presence of God out there in the creative scene. And, and that's what we, we want to really champion. Um, I, I, what we're going to do now is I'm going to invite our, our worship team to come back up, and we're going to have a time of ministry, and I'm going to have you guys uh, be, be, uh, some, be some of our prayer warriors. Um, so we're going to transition. And I'm going to go ahead and invite everyone to stand up. I wanted to share a couple more thoughts as they're coming up. First of all, I'm going to say that you may not feel like you're a part of the creative arts scene. Oh, thank you. You may not feel like you are. arts scene, but in a way, there's a, there's a creativity that exists in all of us. And in the scriptures, does, does anyone know who the, the, very, the, the first mention of the first person ever filled with the Holy Spirit? It's this really obscure dude name. i got to make sure I pronounce this right. Betsa Al. That's how you say it. Betsa Al. He's the first mentioned in the Bible, someone filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Exodus 31, it says this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting in the carving of wood, for to work in every craft. And this 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 man, he his per, he was one of the the chief uh, builders or artisans for the very temple of God, for the very tabernacle, the presence of God. And the reason why I mention him as one the the first person that's filled with the Holy Spirit, because there's this. If you, if you, if you know a little rule of biblical interpretation, it's called the law of first mention, and that is anytime you see something mentioned for the very first time in Scripture, it can have a, it can have a profound effect on on the application, the interpretation. And I believe the point here, as I mentioned, this guy that is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he uses this creative ability to to make a a cultivate a dwelling place for the very presence of God. And I, I believe that the Lord wants to, to empower us and, and, and fulfill us all. Whether you're part of the creative art scene or not, there's a creative license. There's a creative empowerment that God wants to give all of His people so that we can carry, that we can build dwelling places of God in some of the most, you know, worldly places. Some of the most worldly places, whether that's the business or you know or in our homes our neighborhoods and what we're gonna do is I'm gonna have I have you guys if you guys could just spread out our prayer team and there's a few others that I've asked if you could be kind of our, our, kind of our per ministry team this morning that carry a grace uh, for, for the just the creative arts but we want to make space this morning to to pray and impart through the laying on of hands of creative gifting that all of you would be filled with, with the Holy Spirit using your creative abilities to make dwelling places for the kingdom of God. Amen. So as we worship and minister, if you're wanting to feel activated or wanting to experience something, just a little bit more spark in your creativity, come to the front. Uh, I also had really just kind of a word of knowledge that if you're in, just in one of those hidden seasons, of obscurity and you have these creative giftings, but they just, you feel dormant. You feel like they're, they're being hidden and, and you're just wanting to know that God's with you. If that's you this morning, I really felt led to have you come to the front It receive prayer, receive grace for you in this season, because that's a powerful part of your journey is learning to, to steward even the seasons of hiddenness in your creative calling. So Uh, Let me just pray for us, and we're going to continue to worship and and invite you to the front to receive prayer. Jesus, we, we thank you. We thank you that you are advancing your kingdom, and you're wanting to partner with us. And Lord, we're asking that you would fill us all with your Holy Spirit, that we would see the creativity of God reflecting your glory, reflecting your beauty in the world, God. There are people that need to know and see you. So, Lord, use us. Use us, Lord. We invite your presence. We invite your grace. We invite your creative gifting to flow through your very people this morning. We thank you, Jesus.